0: Welcome to Real Parenting Stories, the podcast where we dive into the wild world of parenthood. I'm your host, Laurence, and in each episode, we'll hear from real parents sharing their experiences and advice on navigating parenting. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into the wonderful and sometimes messy world of parenting together. And we are back on the Real Parenting Stories podcast. Today, I have a returning guest, This guest is going to talk about, I mean, we are going to talk about a very important topic, especially today. Uh, And in general, this topic is more uh, attributed to, you know, women. Uh, And we are going to talk about mental load and how it can affect daily life, how it can affect uh, relationships, but also how we are going to proactive take steps to, you know, remediate that using our own (laughs) technique right that we created I don't know if it can help anybody but also Laird is going to he's a physical therapist as I said and uh, he's going to give us tools or tips to you know reconnect your body when this mental load happens and what proactive steps we can take today. Uh, I wanted to also explain that originally attributed, especially today, to women, but it's more because it is linked directly to household chores. We are going to talk about, like in general, uh, what does it look like when we are being overwhelmed with things to do, information, and what proactive steps we can take. So, how are you today, Led? Great! Thanks for having me back. Yes. Uh, are you are you excited about talk, talking about this topic?
1: Yeah, I think that um, it's important to have the perspective of of the of the mother of the father of the man when we're talking about this stuff too. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy to happy to be here.
0: Yes, and I like that we get to, you know, have this episode as as a couple ourselves because we can show uh, that you know a relationship even if you try to work on it and even if you you know, do your best and everything that you do is going to be messy, It's going to take turn and it's going to take adjustments. And it's not like a linear path to, oh, everything is wonderful and everything is butterfly and rainbows. It's not like that at all. It's very, (laughs) uh, it's very pragmatic. Right. So you want to go somewhere. How do we get there? And what are the tools that we have? What emotional comfort can you find? How can you get better understanding of your partner's needs and things like that? So I'm very excited to have you on this episode today. So first things first, do you want to talk about, you know, our own uh, way of dealing with mental load at the house? What was your experience? How did I bring it up to you? And... How did you, you know, what was your first understanding of what was going on?
1: Uh, Well, you brought it up to me. Uh, Over the years, uh, maybe two or three times a week, because I've never done enough of chores since we've been together, Um, we've uh, tried various experiments uh, to try to get me to do more um sometimes i feel like i've i do do enough but i'm always usually inaccurate with that idea Mm -hmm. um what has worked the best and it's kind of how i operate the best too is getting it on paper um a lot of couples would love to have their significant other do things automatically um without having to ask uh, and that would be really nice. But as we've learned, that doesn't always happen despite both of our best efforts. Mm -hmm. So what's worked the best for us is a recent thing where we have a whiteboard right inside the kitchen where we can both see it very easily and it has Been a game changer because we wrote down all the different chores throughout the entire house. And then on the top bar, we wrote days of the week. And then we alternate days to do different tasks. And then we also have weekly chores, which we alternate weeks to do. Like cleaning the floor and deep clean of the bathrooms is a weekly chore that we alternate weeks doing. But laundry and dishes, cleaning the kids' bedroom, cleaning our bedroom, uh, cleaning the living room—that's all uh, every other day sort of activity. Mm-hmm. I uh, volunteered to do four out of seven days a week for the for the big days, um, so that way I feel like I'm at least contributing my fair share.
0: Mm-hmm. But where do you think it comes from, the perception that uh, I guess there's an imbalance between uh, you know household chores and expectation at home. Like, do you think it comes back, you know, to you know family context? Why do you think there's such a disparity between my um, level of cleanliness, right? Because <laughs> uh, you know I, I like a clean house. I like to come to a house that is decluttered and smell good and doesn't have sons of things and uh, and, and you is more like relaxed about it right so where where do you think that comes from do you think it's well, gender I'd give, related what, what I give you, you a
1: little pushback because I don't like clutter at all okay it's the bane of my existence in fact <laughs> I like I like organization well, I'm not a good surface cleaner I'm not a good floor cleaner But I love to have everything in their right place. Everything deserves a home. And that's my mission in life, to find a a place place for everything. everything. Um, And I don't think it has anything to do with gender. I think it's to do with personality types and upbringing. Mm -hmm. Um, Your house and your parents is very cluttered. Oh, yeah, that's that's terrible. The tables and the floors are spotless. Mm -hmm. And, well, sometimes. And I was raised, my mother is like the most cluttered human on the planet. And my dad is the organized one. And Mm -hmm. I think uh, neither one of them are good at cleaning surfaces and floors, though. Where do you
0: think that comes from? I I don't know. Maybe,
1: Maybe it was how they were raised
0: you you didn't have like you didn't feel like you had a decluttered clean ha- house at all time
1: i felt like it was a constant effort as it is today for yeah, us for sure, yeah. i mean when you have two kids that are literal wrecking balls tornadoes rolled into one you can't ever be completely decluttered or clean all the time uh so i think you got to take everything As it comes, and even on our amazing chores list thing, our house isn't spot perfect every day. But because we're able to depend and rely on the other person to do their part, Mm -hmm. I know that if I only get 80% of the dishes done because I'm exhausted or because I got pulled away to do a million other things, I know it's going to get done and we're not going to get angry at each other because the on the other end is the laundry and maybe the laundry wasn't finished by you and I know that I will there's there's a certain level of trust that goes into this when you when you alternate your duties and I think that's been the best thing that's come from this is that we are learning to depend on the other and not assume that they're not going to do it but assume that they will do it and even if we don't finish our part that day we know that it's still going to get done and we've both been really good about like the dishes like if we if we don't want to get done that night even though it's our day we'll we'll both like finish it in the morning so the other one doesn't have to do it Mm -hmm. and do extra so we hold each other accountable
0: yeah so we arrived to that point where you know it's It's taking a long time yes can you tell us more about how we got there what were the steps if you remember them obviously
1: well about a million fights yeah um where you told me that i don't do enough okay that's how we got there and me uh constantly pushing back saying i do do enough but i probably was lying to myself um and yeah it was for our relationship that we got there
0: and to be to be a- and
1: i i it's just how i operate i i need the written instruction yeah and and it was getting to the point where i felt like you were feeling unloved because i wasn't doing things automatically mm-hmm. and that wasn't what I was trying to portray at all. And it had nothing to do with our relationship. It's just because I, you know, I don't, I don't think of things automatically, but I do think of things when I have them written down and that's just how my brain operates.
0: And you just mentioned something that is very important. Feeling unloved. It's an act of love to help your partner in the sense that, doesn't matter and, and i'm speaking to you know women in general because we are uh, i mean we live in a patriarchy that's a fact uh where women were raised with a certain role to fulfill right so if i actually watched a movie uh last week about uh, and it's really specifically about the french history so i'm not it's probably the same in in you know in in old england or scotland history where uh, Napoleon literally wrote um, on the on the country uh, rules that women's duty were to carry child and be owned by men. So there's a long history of this is where women belong. And I think that as we switched into a more you know uh, a, d- a different world where well, actually women work too now, um, then it kind of changes that dynamic and finding your new role, your new space. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult and it, and it's really at all level. So one thing I would like to tell you is picking up the, the household chores, a uh, sorry, is an act of love. Okay. Because it removes the, um, the, 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 constant effort to to, to carry a family, to put everything together. it is Dividing uh, labor at home is an act of care for your partner. Absolutely.
1: 100%. And I think it's it's good to see that our generation, millennial generation, and maybe our parents a little bit, but less, I think, are modernizing. And this is getting much, 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 much better. Um, And not just us, but you know my my brother like he does his fair share of chores um, he's he does all the cooking he he well his wife works so much that he does the, majo- an act of love. the majority of of the household but some, mm-hmm. sometimes it's an act of necessity too um, to survive you know you know and i think historically the stigma was created but it started as kind of A necessity because not I'm not saying it was right but women didn't work as often and they didn't have jobs and they did stay at home and so they took care of the house and now in a modern world it's just as likely that both spouses work or only the the woman works as it is Mm -hmm. that the man is the sole provider when you have a sole provider household it makes sense that the that the other one is the is the is the housekeeper, but the problem is that it it has been based on gender lines until like the last fifty years for so long that it's almost in our it's psyche. Yep. It's, it's almost it's, automatic. It's really hard, um, and I, you have to make a conscious effort to yeah. to break that pattern. Exactly, and, and I think we've done Extremely
0: difficult, it. and I realize that. And you know, I used to think like you. I used to think that whoever stays at home to do childcare should uh, you know also handles house work in any way but now I'm thinking differently having kids why because I realized that you don't turn off being a parent so if there if you if your spouse leave the house at 7am okay I don't know comes back at 6pm and they have been parent nonstop, no breaks, not being paid for it neither, and have them, you know, thinking that they are should be doing also the the shores. It's extremely difficult, right? They have zero breaks. Someone that goes to work, I mean, I don't know for you, but for me, it it's. I have a job. When I when my, my kids are dropped off at, at school, I feel relief because I know that once I start clocking in at work, I get you know I have time to 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 drink my tea, uh to to catch up with other adults, and it's less difficult. So for me, uh, household chores should be one hundred percent divided, regardless if you're a worker or if you're a stay at home mom or dad, because. You don't take breaks from being parents. Okay. Point taken. Um yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna share the um, also our little board <laughs> and how we divide and conquer. So maybe, you know, people who are listening can, you know, use that as a template for, you know, dividing cores and starting the I mean, you can tell, right? It's a difficult conversation. Even us, our generation, are processing so much that it can be very difficult to, you know, put things together and 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 deal with that.
1: No one takes breaks from right being being a parent, and I, you know, I don't know if that was ever the case, but uh, I think it was definitely the case where people would come home because they were working all day and expect that they don't have to do any chores either, and that's a load of you know what. Um, but I I think it's important also to differentiate a little bit between daily chores and parenting because there are, there are differences um, because chores are part of the household and upkeep and keeping things sane because things are in their place. Things are in order. Things are out of control. You have a clean space to think and live. Um, But that, is the case even without kids. Um, So once you have kids, it just adds a whole nother dynamic of also engaging with them. Um, And sometimes it can be hard to balance the chores and cleanliness and cleaning with play and, and providing. And, and I think a good healthy team is one who recognizes that uh, you can you can't always do both simultaneously. Mm-hmm. I think it's valuable to try to clean up after you play and stuff, right as you clean as you go, which is an important thing. But also, like if one parent is playing with the kids, children and and giving giving them their bath, the other should be helping out with the chores, even if they're helping out with what's on the other's list for that day.
0: Right. Because
1: I, I, we want to be able to always have at least one parent available to be with the kids the, nonstop. Exactly,
0: and that's one of the things I discussed with Rachel the other day is that they, they found a good system that worked for them in the sense that whenever her husband is taking care of the kids, he doesn't do any household chores. like He doesn't clean as he go, like she does. But she's agreeing with that because she can appreciate that, you know, being present with your kids kid. are happy. Exactly.
1: I know. I yeah. I think she said something like, "Is if chaos is the cost of the kids having yeah. a great day,
0: then, then so that's why, to me personally, uh, household chores are completely separated from you know child, you know, staying at home to take care of your kids." Those are completely dif- separated job because you can't, you can't do both. It's, it's crazy. Um, or I at least do both perfectly. But anyway, so uh, now let's talk about the topic of we're still in the realm, obviously, of being overloaded with information, right? As parents, we are all the time overstimulated. If it's not work, it's going to be your kids asking you for this, for that. Just just talk talk about, you know, how to keep your house clean. Uh, how to take care of your health? How to take care of your, your your uh, your mental health? Yeah. All that. What what are tools? Uh, so how do you handle it? What is your experience with that? And what do you think is the best way to go around that?
1: Well, uh, <laughs> that's a pretty loaded question. Um, yep. I think uh, first of all, no one has the right answer. Like. Even if they say they do, you know, people that, that look on social media and stuff like they got parenting just figured out and down pat, um, there's, there's going to be days where you struggle and that's just inevitable. Kids are their own person, especially young children. If they're tired or they're hungry or they're had a bad day at school, but don't know how to express it, they'll just, they'll just behave differently. And, and that's, you gotta be able to roll with it. I think the best strategy globally is to just accept that you don't have as much control as you want, first of all. And if you start with that baseline of trying to be comfortable in the chaos, be comfortable with not being comfortable, things are a little easier from there. Um, that That's that's the biggest thing, though, is is mm-hmm. the mind game. Because if you let, like most of us are probably closet control freaks or, <laughs> or not even closeted. But if you let that become an issue, you've already lost. Um, I think there's a lot of strategies to trying to keep some semblance of control. And I think the chores is a huge one because if you have a clean space and an organized space, everything else is a little bit easier and you can give more attention to it. But at the same time, like we were talking about this last night, we were home, the kids were home from school. They're both there and we're having like four different conversations simultaneously and you end up getting like nothing done. You have to mm-hmm. be able to compartmentalize and be systematic because if you try to think about playing with your kids, getting your kids ready for bed, getting them ready for school, planning activities that weekend, and also talking, worrying about your, your finances and worrying about your job, worrying about your next move for your career, worrying about your parents' health who've been calling, worrying about the, the dog who needs a walk. If you have all that going on at the same time, yeah. you end up doing less of all of it, and you don't even have a second to breathe. I think developing a system where you can set times throughout your day, even if it's just five minutes, even if it's literally when you're sitting on the toilet doing things like financial moves on the toilet for, f- for five crush? minutes instead of playing Candy Crush. Um, <laughs> it can make things a lot more, more easy. You got to have blocked time in your day and in your mind to focus on different things so that when you are with your kids, you are with your kids and you know that you already did the other stuff. You know, everyone, even the most busy people, even stay at home parents, they have some time during their day, more often than not, to do something that, Doesn't require you to be fully present with the kids, whether that be when they're napping or you let them watch a show for a little bit. It's not bad to give them a little bit of screen time Mm. so that you can, you know, call the insurance to make sure the upcoming appointment is is going to be okay. But if you try to do it all at once, you're you're done. I don't know if that answered your question at all. And I don't even know if it answered it for me, but.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking about What I'm talking about, you know, being you, overloaded. You, you never. Is that, yeah. yeah. Is that right now? It's like this mashed time, potatoes. You know, you have <laughs> so much stuff to do and you're trying to find a space, an anchor. Yeah. Where you can know how to process all that stuff. But what you talked about being systematic, as I, as we talked about yesterday is, That's something that came from your dad and it was like a couple years ago when you told him, I have to do this, I have to do that. And we we were not even, we didn't even have kids at that time, but he told you this and it stuck in my head. And now I, I think I start to understand that you, your brain treats information in order. Okay. They treat things one step at a time. And I think we live in a world where people think they can multitask, but really your brain is not designed that way.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not a real thing.
0: Yeah. So can you, do, do you know anything more about like how the brain process information and what we can do to help the brain think better perhaps or treat?
1: Well, in the realm of physical therapy anyway, like uh, motor control can be affected differently whether you're thinking internally or looking and thinking externally, um, for instance, if you, if someone had a stroke, for instance, and they're having trouble moving an arm or a leg, right? If they just try to think internally and move that arm, they might not be as successful as if they look in the mirror and try to move that mirror arm. Um, and and it's pretty remarkable. So, diverting your attention from internal to external can be something that can help a lot instead of thinking uh, how am I gonna manage all this stuff you think of what do the kids need right now and you put it Mm -hmm. as you're, you're not doing you're not it's not a it becomes less of a chore and more of just like taking out, it's just like, um, automatic because it's just something they necessarily need and it's not about you. And then, and then it doesn't feel, feel as challenging.
0: Okay. So you, what you choose consciously, what your priority list is, and then go through it. Like, okay. My number one priority every day is my kids. And make sure they're okay. And then
1: that becomes automatic. Yeah, I see. E- and easy. And then
0: your second priority is, I don't know, uh, cleaning the house. So then you know that once you check, <laughs> I don't know. The, I the kids I try part. to
1: make my my. I think I think your energy, your energy inevitably gets most expended towards your priorities, mm-hmm. um, and having a real serious conversation with yourself about what those are is an important first step. Um, you know, I think even, even what you spend your money on can reflect a lot of that. Uh, you know, you and I, we don't exactly live frugally, but we don't, we don't buy a lot of stuff either. We, we spend our money on experiences and I think that is reflecting that those are our priorities is, Things to do, things to eat, things to enjoy, things that might make some memories over stuff, even though the kids have more toys than anyone would ever need. Mm -hmm. But if you have uh, your values in line, then your priorities come out automatically and If it really is a value, a priority, then it won't be so challenging, I don't think. And I don't think it'll add so much mental stress and it'll be easier to let the other things that you're not getting to just not be gotten to. That's not always a great thing, but you got to be okay with it. Otherwise you lose your mind. Like I, I've been off work for these last two weeks because I'm in between contracts and I wrote a list of things I wanted to accomplish and I've done like one or two out of eight or nine. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to try to get a couple more done this morning. But I didn't lose any sleep last night because these are, these are goals and I wrote the list of things that I should do because I really don't like doing them. And none of them are things that are super duper time sensitive or requiring us a lot of money or costly. They're just important adulting activities that yep. I need to do. But I have a problem of like pr- maybe procrastinating, but I do it in a healthy way. I think because what is I, the healthy
0: I, way of procrastinating?
1: I procrastinate by playing with yeah. my kids <laughs> ah, and yeah. my wife.
0: Yeah, and oh, for uh,
1: sure. and maybe not. And maybe too much on my cell phone, but oh, definitely too much on my cell phone.
0: Oh, I, we, I think we should have an entire episode about phone addiction. Oh uh, man, it, it's there's well, so much it, stuff to talk about.
1: Well, and even in the realm of parenting, it, it yeah. can. Yep. I mean, screen time. If you're uh, with yeah. your kids and on your screen, that's no bueno.
0: It's not. Uh, they see it. Okay. Yeah. So if I if I summarize what we just talked about. So there's a concept of being able to define the priorities in our lives, right? Number one, I want to spend time with my kids. Number two, I want to take some time to reflect on, I don't know, my career. And based on that, um, see if your list of priorities align with those big goals, big life goals, right? Yeah. And then go through that list Based off of the, the the life goal we set for ourselves, yeah. Much. And yeah.
1: and you know, if you find that your goals don't line up with your priorities at all, yeah. Like maybe maybe you're one of your your financial and career priorities low, but you have this goal to retire at age forty, or own own lots of properties.
0: You probably, you're,
1: you're probably not Maybe gonna get there. Can do that. Not you're probably st- not st- <laughs> gonna get there. Um, not. But if if your if your priority is working and earning money, then you're more likely to get it. Yeah. I think you need to take a deep dive inward to decide if your goals and priorities are aligned, mm-hmm. and if they're mm-hmm. not, you need to change one or the other. Yep. Now, personally. I think that a uh, number one priority should and always should be rela- relationships with your kids and your significant other. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. A lot of people would say that it should be finance and career because that's how you enhance your relationships um, mm-hmm. because you you got that checked off. But, you know, I think as in everything, you need balance anyway. Um, and maybe you don't even need to necessarily have a list. You just need to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. But I prefer to kind of max in men. And I just like to max out my personal life and my experiences and my relationships. Because that's what makes um, sense to you. Because um, that's what makes sense to me. Because that's what I'm going to remember on my deathbed.
0: Yeah, if you, yeah that, that's 100% sure. Um, okay, let's take a step back here. What if, and and it it totally makes sense. I I really love this processing things based on order of priority. But sometimes you are so overstimulated, so frequently. overwhelmed, frequently. How can you do? What can you do? What steps can you do to get back to you know calm, like grounded yes. kind of? How how do you ground yourself before you can go through this well mental work of? I this makes sense. When things actually, are go crazy.
1: Yeah. I have a, a couple things that I do um, well like for one thing is when I'm at work though I'm like so into it that everything else takes a back seat like automatically um, that's a skill it's like a it's, it's like a secret power um, yeah. i don't I don't think a lot of people get that. But I think I like what I do.
0: Well, dude, because you're engaged. I'm in, very engaged. In, I'm. In I have a patience. person. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: So that's that's, that's not nice. that's that's never been a problem for me, mm-hmm. um, unless we're fighting. Um, oh. But <laughs> what I do is I have a short little mantra, um, and I just say, "Here, now, present," to myself. Sometimes I say it out loud, even, and it helps me uh, realize that I don't need to be reacting a certain way or I don't need to be doing something based on the past or the unknown future necessarily. And it just helps me get back to what's right the heck in front of me. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to me. Another thing that I learned from a former uh, employer is putting on my, my gi. Uh, I do this sort of grounding exercise where I'm wearing a imaginary martial arts robe, a gi, and you got to tie that, uh, rope band, the belt around yourself. And I stand with my feet on the ground and I Panama, am putting on my, my belt. Um, and it ends with kind of like fists clenched and pulling your arms apart to really cinch up the belt and it really puts my feet into the ground and and sometimes I'll do that between difficult patients even uh, so I can kind of reset mm-hmm. um, but you know I think anyone can can have their own thing it doesn't have to be yeah what I describe it can be literally saying one two three one two three just something that is their totem for, okay, I'm overwhelmed, but let me get down to what I can control right this second, and here we go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's just a short little thing. Anything you want.
0: What do you do when you have patients that come to you and that you sense are overwhelmed so you can't even do like, go through Running through exercise and things like that. What what do you typically do? Is there something um, physical?
1: Yeah, I I I put my hands on them for one. Touch is enormously helpful.
0: So hugs, right? No, not, I mean no. no. <laughs> not uh, what hugs. I'm saying, like if people don't have a physical therapist by them, right? Yeah. What, they, do you think this can?
1: No, um, so the face. Um, Everything comes from the brain, our perception of touch, of hot, of cold, of emotions. It comes down and out from the brain. Um, Your face and facial muscles and throat and ears and eyes are controlled by cranial nerves, which come right off of the brain itself and don't go through the spinal cord. So touching your own face is a great way to relax and ground yourself. I teach patients um, that actually vagal stimulation mm-hmm. and which is the vagus nerve, tenth cranial nerve uh, very powerful uh, and I teach them the certain spots to touch on their face that can help uh, their brain kind of kick start some healing mechanisms physically um, which is also emotional everyone talks about separation of brain and body but that was like Descartes from the 15th century or whatever that started that and it's a little outdated I mean our parts of our brain that control motion illuminate also when we feel emotion so what you're thinking and feeling has a direct impact of how you're feeling and moving physically
0: how how did you say Desca
1: Descartes, yeah. Okay. He, yeah. He's the first philosopher.
0: I had, I, that's a running gag because one of my colleagues, Descartes. Descartes. he went to a library and asked for a book from Descartes. So, please, <laughs> uh, if you don't know it's how Descartes. to pronounce it, it's Descartes, Okay. You 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 learned it from a French person. Um, okay. You know what? I'm,
1: so, so facial stimulation facial is facial stimulation. Like maybe touch your, touch your face. It's like there's there's holes in our skull. Yeah. Right above our eye orbital like above our, uh, on our eyebrows, basically, there's mm-hmm. two little holes right there. And then again, right at our cheeks, cheekbones, there's two little holes. Mm-hmm. And then under our jaw, like drop down from the tips of your lips, you can find two more little holes and all of those drain back towards the jugular vein, which comes out from your jugular foramen also where the vagus nerve runs behind your ears if you feel like the back of your jaw and follow it up until you're behind your ears right there in between your skull and your jaw is where the the biggest dump from your brain sinuses comes mm-hmm. and it's also where some important nerves run mm-hmm. so touching all those spots i just said gently gently the key is to have not a threat reproduced. If you push too hard and it hurts, you're going to defeat the purpose. The idea is to expose yourself to a minor level of threat without pain resulting so that you're training your brain and body to receive touch and manipulation at some of the most vulnerable parts so that When threat comes unpredictably, you've already kind of established a bit of a blueprint of how to respond. You can actually
0: train your body to respond in a healthier way by training it to respond like triggers?
1: It's like deep tissue massage, a runner's high, it hurts so good, all these things that, are otherwise threatening and painful but are associated psychologically with benefit and pain Mm -hmm. reduction are really healthy ways to be and live with less pain and stress that's what exercise is that's what yoga is that's what cold water therapy is all about it's about voluntary exposure to threat so that we have a better response to involuntary exposure you teach your body how to survive when you have a controlled setting.
0: Yeah, like you train, you you train your body so in that in real, yeah, in in real life, something happens. Okay, I know what to do.
1: Yep, because um, I've done it before. Yeah, it's like yep. the brain. Like, oh, this is what's like happening. like. I take I, a cold shower every morning, and I feel oh, like I want to die is, every time. This is so hard. And, I don't do it. And anymore. so, no, I'm just saying what the brain is saying. It's like I'm. Yeah, th- this this little rolled ankle doesn't need to hurt that much because I do things to myself yeah, <laughs> that are harder right. and oh, I bounce oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know because if you roll your ankle for instance if you, if the brain is trained to very quickly and easily vasodilate and vasoconstrict it'll cause less inflammation and mm-hmm. less swelling mm-hmm. less less negative response following the ankle roll compared to an untrained brain, someone who never walks ever and never goes anywhere without a coat is always insulated from the world. They roll their ankle. It's going to swell up like hell, not because they have a compromised system, but because they haven't been responding on a consistent basis to that sort of threat. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of hijacks their immune response. And so challenging your immune system in everyday life, both physically and mentally, is, is the secret to life and to health. And that's the mm-hmm. same for parenting. Yeah. You have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable so that you raise your comfort level.
0: Right. But you and also, you don't get as
1: overwhelmed as easily.
0: Yeah, but you can also train your body to lower your level of stress and overwhelming by those exercises. And that's when I tell myself, I should probably switch to a video podcast because we could totally see you doing your exercise and maybe I don't know maybe in the future I'll I'll put post you on my account and you can give us some exercise that people can do when they're in very they need to regulate themselves and what they can do. We'll see.
1: Oh, uh, the other thing is breathing. Yeah. I'm rereading the book by James Nestor called Breath right now. It's pretty fantastic. Um, I that's the other thing I do with patients that are that are overwhelmed if they if they come in and I can just tell right away that there's no manual therapy that they can respond to I touch them lightly to try to see what's going on and they and they flinch you know. When they're got all that hyper sensitivity and reactivity, mm-hmm. I'll have them just lay on their back if they're if that's suitable, and put a pillow under their knees so they're nice and propped up. Make sure their heads not below their chest. Have them put their hand on their belly and just make that move when you breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, when we get in fight or flight mode, where we become chest breathers, um, we breathe more breaths per minute versus air per breath and it deoxygen, deoxygenates our blood. We're getting less oxygen to our lungs, even the less per breath. We're getting more breaths per, per minute though. Um, and that can have a negative effect on pain levels and tension and responsiveness to touch. So if something that, anyone in the world can do at any time. And it can be really surprisingly challenging if you're not in the habit is to put a hand on your chest and a hand on your abdomen and try to make your motion from your breath happen at your abdomen and not your chest. Mm -hmm. And I've had so many patients that are shocked that they can't do it at all. But sure enough, you take, they they can't breathe with their belly. It's all chest motion, but aren't we- which goes to your shoulders, which goes to your neck, which goes to your skull, which restricts some of these holes that your nerves and veins run out of. But
0: see, here's the thing: I don't understand. Like baby breathes with their belly, so we w- we are born,
1: we are belly born able to right? do this, right? What right.
0: happens? Why do we switch? To- Life happens. <laughs> so you think stress constrict, and somehow push us to breathe with the
1: well when yeah like when you're exercising you breathe more with your chest because you need more more breaths per minute but when you're stressed it's the same phenomenon cortisol is released and things happen similar to exercise when you have existential threat and so you start to be in this fight or flight mode more frequently than you would than your body would otherwise like. Mm -hmm. The difference is, and it has the same physical reactions as exercise does, but the difference is you're releasing all these hormones and proteins into your bloodstream, both with exercise and existential threat, but with existential threat, you're not using those as fuel like you do when you're exercising. And so you get all this, free floating cortisol in your blood, which has all the long-term effects of consistent steroid use, which is bad. Yeah. Um, so when they stress kills, that's what it is. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's and too I'm, much cortisol. I'm, I'm simplifying it, yeah. But, but yeah, it's too much, uh, cortisol constantly, which creates, uh, long-term consequences such as muscle wasting, uh, weight gain, uh, hair loss, osteoporosis, mm-hmm. fingernails get brittle.
0: I have that. Uh, well, okay. But, but but
1: on the flip side, yes. you make a conscious effort, even five minutes a day, to get out of that sympathetic overload fight or flight response and you won't get stuck in it as likely, Mm -hmm. even after you exercise. Exercise is really important. But if you can't come down from it, it's not as good as it could be. You got to have both sides of the coin. And when I, I, I'll see patients that are very fit, very strong, very tonic, if you will. And they're usually chest breathers and sometimes even mouth breathers. And I'm not going to, help them by telling them to do more exercise and more core their strength is not the issue their issue is not being able to relax mm. and so my homework is for them is just go home lie down on your back put your legs up on a chair so your hips are uh, supported at like 90 degrees put your hands on your belly and spend and even even learn how to even yeah. three minutes Change the deal. It can feel like an eternity if you're silently mm-hmm. sitting and breathing for three minutes, and you can get so relaxed in such a short amount of time when you practice it. It's incredible.
0: It's kind of comforting too that you're telling me people that are used to work out and are tonic uh also have, have a lot of pain. Yeah, still. They, have, they still have pain, so that's not the, I mean, and it's, it's not necessarily yeah.
1: musculoskeletal. It's right, not. It's, it's just, not because their joints or muscles aren't working right it's that they never turn off
0: yes so it really then their pain response uh, you know pain exists for every kind of body and level of engagement and exercise it's not Oh yeah yeah
1: oh yeah and i mean you can be morbidly obese with horrible scoliosis with no pain at all Mm -hmm. you can be a marathon runner with chronic pain and it's still not preventing you from running, though. Pain is a completely subjective existential experience, um, and it's the most fascinating thing that we humans experience, in my opinion. Um, yeah. But that that could be its
0: own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> we covered quite a lot today, and I um, I'm, I'm very thankful that we were open to talk about you know a very hot topic. It's very hot to talk about mental load, household chores, and uh, how we deal with it. As you can hear, it's still a work in process, but we're getting there. We're, I mean, to me, it's easy. It's like, how can we get to a world where there's more equality and there's less restriction and roles and who should be doing what, but really get to a point where you know, we have a fair share at the table. And then you gave us amazing you know, tools to... Shift off from fire flight mode. Uh, I wish people could see what you've done and all those holes you described. Maybe we'll do a video, right? Yeah, um, I, I like that idea. And so that you know, you can tell you know exhausted parent what they can do to turn off this fire flight mode at any time and go back to their space. And we also talked about how can we help decide what needs to be done and when based on our own. You know, eternal uh, compass with our own personal goal and make sure that your partner obviously is aligned with those goals that's a that's a different topic yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah we didn't i
1: meant to say that yeah the yeah. priorities the, and the goals if they're not in common with your partner at all there's there's uh yeah
0: uh, yeah you need to find common ground i think it and that's the the, the, Compromise.
1: You gotta, yeah. you gotta. You might even have to give up some goals or shift them.
0: That's why relationships and are hard, you know, yeah. because you always have to, <coughs> you know, find a place where. I don't think we can
1: automatically change our priorities. No, that takes a lot more time. Yeah, and maybe never happens, but we can change our goals. Yeah, um, and that's not a little a, baby it's, not a, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, it, it's a love thing. To, it can be a love to thing to alter you know. your goals but, to better accommodate. Yep. It shows your priorities too, you know.
0: But it, how does it come? It comes through communications and and keep the, the As communication does everything. open. everything. Yeah, sometimes it's hard, you know, when you're upset, you, it's hard to go back and say, "Okay, let's talk about it." But time, time. I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna plug myself, honey. If, <laughs> I, if anyone wants to get some physical therapy and and, and delve into this, yep. um, I'm starting to treat patients on the side. In at my house uh, in Santa Rosa, yes, that's Santa right. In Santa Rosa, California, uh, you can go to LairdReedsPhysicalTherapy dot
0: Yep, you can uh, go on his website and uh, and yeah, hopefully I can we can do a, more of a content related to how to you know be more uh, I don't know happy. I don't know if it's a thing, but at least be grounded. Right, that's the word I'm looking for. Be grounded. Be balanced. Uh, be balanced. It's so hard, but, you know, it's better to work towards it than yeah. doing nothing.
1: It's kind of like, like religion, the pursuit of God. You, you never really – I'm not religious, but I think people who take religion in the right direction are those who accept that they'll never reach the top of the mountain, but it's the pursuit that gets you where you want to go. Um, yeah. Same with mental health, same with parenting – it's it's our effort to be better and to do more and and accept accept ourselves and accept our own efforts and sleep well because we're doing our best that gets us to being better parents, being better people and living better lives. That's right. But you're never going to get there. And don't 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 get upset that you're not because no one's ever done it even if they'll have you believe that they have. They're
0: liars. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for uh, joining us today, Led. Um, I hope you had a good time with us. and Had a great
1: time. Thank you for having me again.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. I'm honored
1: to be here.